0: Hello and welcome back to Chronicle, the history of Newcastle United. I'm Matt Ketchell, football fan, engagement editor at Chronicle Live, and we've arrived at a significant junction in the club's story. Last week, we covered 1976 to 1982, a tumultuous period in the story with lots of managers and not much to cheer. But this week, there definitely is something to cheer as we discuss a dramatic upturn in fortunes, sparked by a number of new arrivals, including a certain Kevin Keegan. Joining me to discuss what we're calling the first coming is one of those arrivals keegan wasn't available on the afternoon that we're recording this but myself and paul joan are delighted to be joined by a man who was there to witness the club's turnaround in fortunes and play an active role in this chapter former newcastle and republic of Ireland defender john anderson and oh welcome to the show really great to have you along for this one
2: pleasure matt thank you for asking me
0: now I don't know if you own any copies of Paul's excellent books on the history of the club, but uh, his book, The Ultimate Who's Who, is is really amazing. It records every single player to have ever played a first team game for the club, plus all the managers and coaches. You'll need to update that now, actually, Paul. And uh, yes. directors, <laughs> directors and officials, everything. Uh, it's an amazing book, and and, and Ando, of course you're in it. You made 337 appearances for Newcastle, um, and I wanted to read your entry in this book as a reminder for uh, the fans who watched you in the 80s and 90s, and also for younger fans who didn't quite get to see you play, myself included. My first game was in 93, so I I just missed you. But this is your entry in in Paul's book, uh, The Ultimate Who's Who. It says, uh, John Christopher Patrick Anderson... Uh, United received grand service from John Anderson following his arrival on a free transfer during the summer of 1982. Released by Gordon Lee at Preston after over 50 games, the Dubliner proved Newcastle's former boss wrong as he became a huge terrace favourite with his gutsy, never-say-die attitude on the field. Versatile at fullback, centre-defence, or in midfield anger role, John had little of the finer skills on the ball but was a workmanlike and honest professional respected by his teammates. Consistent and reliable, He missed only one game during the Magpies promotion campaign of 1983-84. Capped by Ireland, John missed out on the 1990 World Cup with the Republic, unable to make Jack Charlton's final 22-man squad. An ankle injury picked up in a testimonial match at Whitley Bay during 1988, troubled him for almost four years, and eventually forced him to quit after a decade at St James's Park. John had a well-supported testimonial fixture in April 1992, and later remained in the North East, working for a local Rover dealership, and then for BBC Radio Newcastle, where he became a popular member of the media covering United's ups and downs. Is, uh, are you happy with that entry, Andrew? I hope you are. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah,
2: that'll do. that um, I've seen Go the on. book, and I've, I've, I've read the book, and it's it, it's brilliant. You know, the, mm. the time that went into it. Uh, I don't know where he gets all the time to do all these things, Paul,
1: to be quite honest. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm retired now, so I've got plenty of time. <laughs> you do <laughs>
0: He does podcasts now with with yeah. us. That's that's what it takes this this time up. But um, yeah, we're episode twenty one. We're picking up the series in nineteen eighty two, and that was actually the summer that you arrived. Um, and I was wondering if you can um, yeah. talk us through the mood around the club and the city at, at that time. You you arrived just before the news about Kevin Keegan.
2: Well, it, it, it was really strange because I'd been let go by Gordon Lee at, at Preston, um, who the majority of Newcastle fans were not, was always a good judge of a player we um, always let good players go as Malcolm will, will testify to um, and I got a call from uh, it, it wasn't actually um, Arthur Cox who was manager it was Joe Harvey and he asked us to come up and it was myself and Steve Doyle who was uh, let go by Preston Steve ended up going to Huddersfield and played for Sunderland as well and we came up um, and I played the majority of my career well, all of my career at centre-back and he asked me if I could play right back and for whatever reason I said yeah I could and um started playing games and offered me a contract and then uh, a couple of weeks later we were in Madeira when um when Kevin signed Arthur Cox didn't come with us um Tommy Cassidy took the took the squad to Madeira on pre-season and then we all heard that Kevin had arrived you know so it was a uh, it, it was great for everybody but it was it, it was like whirlwind for me you know because I didn't I didn't know what it was going to do all of a sudden I'm at a club where player who'd achieved everything in the game you know went to germany became a hero out there won everything at liverpool england captain um all of a sudden you're rubbing shoulders with him so uh, it was a, a real fairy tale for me
0: and paul newcastle really at this stage needed a change in a bit of an injection of energy not to mention money and they, they got they got that didn't they
1: well they did uh it, in in the close season of 1982 as it unfolded, uh, Newcastle were in, in need of stimulus and, and not least also a huge cash investment. Uh, Stan Seymour Jr. Uh, was in the chair in the boardroom, son of Mr. Newcastle himself. Uh, and with Neighbours Newcastle Breweries as club sponsor, uh, a massive change so United transformed. Uh, the arrival of English football's biggest name, uh, England captain Kevin Kegel, just captivated Tyneside, uh, his arrival Uh, at St James's Park was sensational news and when he agreed to join United from Southampton few could believe it to move from a top level side and and Southampton were a good one at that time uh, to a languishing club in the second division as it was then albeit somewhat of a a sleeping giant uh, was a shock to the football world no one around the country could quite believe what had happened Uh, when he arrived at the press conference the opening remark from uh, Russell Cushing the the club uh, chief executive, come secretary, was uh, where in heaven we've got Kevin, and and we certainly were. Uh, Kevin Keegan had roots in County Durham. He's uh, and and he wanted to find a final challenge really, before retiring, and that was to guide Newcastle back to the top flight.
0: Mm. I know you mentioned you were in Madeira when that news yeah. broke. Can you remember the reaction from yourself and the, your teammates?
2: Uh, nobody could believe it, to be quite honest you know we'd gone out there to play we played three games out there as i say coxie didn't didn't travel um and the rumors started flying around and you know spread like wildfire um, all of a sudden you're going back and you, we get back and you go to benwell where we trained at the time and your first day back you, everybody sat around waiting for kevin keegan to arrive all of a sudden kevin keegan walks into the <coughs> dressing room and the whole place just went quiet you know because you you you're playing with somebody in the same dressing with somebody as I said earlier who's achieved everything within the game. Um, and it was it was very surreal. Davy Mack arrived that summer, Terry arrived, Jeff Clark had arrived. Um, you know, so it was it, it, it was it was very sur- surreal. I mean that first season was really strange as well because people were still adapting to what Kevin was like, how he would be around people. Everybody was a little bit Overall, I would say. I'd say the majority of the players in the squad were overall because there was a lot of young Geordie boys in there as well. You know, you had Wadlock, Kenny Wharton, Steve Carney, Lord of Mercy on him. Kevin Carr was in goal. Um, you know, there was a lot of John Truick, a lot of young boys in there. So the first season he was there didn't go, go particularly well. It wasn't great. It was We were all feeling each other out, so to speak. Um, but once you got to know him, you know, he was unbelievable fella. You know, we've seen it when he came back as manager. He just, he just made everybody feel six foot tall even though Kevin was, wasn't the biggest in the world in, in stature but he was there. Uh, he just made people feel better than, you know, got the best out of players. Can't speak highly enough of them really. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I think that was proved when he came back as manager uh, what he what he achieved there when, when him and Terry were here together as manager.
0: Yeah. And Paul Ando touched on it there. It was a busy summer at Newcastle, wasn't it? Kevin... And John were uh, one of a few arrivals, weren't they?
1: Well, yeah, as, as Andrew said that uh, said there, um, other top players arrived. Terry McDermott returned. He was at Newcastle back in seventy uh, three, and, and uh, went to Liverpool after the cup final uh, because he he, he made a, a big name for himself at St James's Park. David McCreary came. He was a great Northern Ireland international, very competitive uh, midfielder. And uh, Jeff Clark came from Sunderland, and and he was a rock at the back, really. And Andrew joined them, and uh, Newcastle had a sort of new look side with with a few good youngsters like Waddle and Kenny Wharton um, and Kevin Carr, who must have been celebrating in Madeira when Keegan came, because he because he had a bit of a, a bash he with a glass door, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Uh,
2: Carsey, uh, he ran through a plate glass door and split both his arms, both his arms open. So. That was a. It was a little bit of of a celebration. It was a complete accident. I mean, there was nothing nothing in it. You know, it was just a, a complete accident. But he was he, he missed quite a few games through
0: it. Yeah. And was that was that celebrating the news or was it an unrelated incident? No, well it, was
2: unrelated. It, was unrelated. it was it was just a complete accident. <laughs> you know, he, he just took off. Didn't realize. That he thought the patio door was open, and it wasn't. And he just ran straight through it. He was lucky. It could have been an awful lot worse, to be fair. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Shame you didn't have the video camera for that one. It could have been 250 quid on you being I don't framed. I video
2: cameras
0: back then. <laughs> um, Ando, looking at the record books, it looks like you played 37 games in all competitions in this season, but you actually weren't in the squad for the first game. Keegan's no. debut, was, was that a selection thing or an injury thing?
2: No, it was a selection thing. Um, I, As I say, we arrived in the summer and Craggsie arrived as well, um, as Paul will verify, and Craggsie played right back, John Craggs who had been here before as well came back and he started i think the first half a dozen games or so maybe might have been a few more um and i got in got into the side and i was i was in and out of the side a little bit in, in that first season uh, it was only the the promotion season of 83 84 that i really established myself in the side mm-hmm. um but it was it, it was just great to be around these players you know paul mentioned jeff clark who was very underrated. You know, Clark, he was a great player. Good centre-half. Davey Mack, you couldn't buy a Davey Mack nowadays. Davey Mack would run through a brick wall for you. He'd do, do anything you wanted him to do. You know, he was he was a great, great player. And I, and I know Waddler, Peter, and Kevin got all the headlines, but without the likes of your Davey Max and, and Jeff Clarks, you know, they I, I honestly don't think they got the... The rewards that they deserved because as i say i'd have davy Mac and Clark and in, in any side i picked
0: for mm. mm.
1: interesting yeah
0: and um paul tell us about keegan's debut then i'm sure you were there to witness it and it was a, a pretty special occasion wasn't it
1: yeah i well, was certainly certainly there uh, in the old west stand supporters flocked back to Gallagher, uh, a stadium then in, in in much needed de- development and in, at a reduced capacity due to safety restrictions uh, Keegan's debut was in the first game of the season a home meeting with Queen's Park Rangers in uh, the match day buzz returned and a goal from who else but Kevin Keegan gave United the points uh, it was came from a throw in, Verardi and, and Keegan combined and uh, the ball was slipped through onto the edge of the box and, and Keegan just uh, rolled it into the corner a uh, very neat finish at the Gallagher end and mm. the whole place just erupted
0: Indeed, and and Newcastle were going for one of three promotion spots back into Division 1. How did it uh, start to pan out, Paul?
1: Well, Newcastle began to look like a team again compared to what happened in the two or three years before. Uh, It was no easy task, though, to claim one of those three places. Uh, 1982-83 ended in a, a somewhat disappointment, of course, although there was a vast improvement in United's performances. They missed out and finished in fifth place. Keegan scored 21 goals, very good return. And Emery Berardi, uh, his partner up front, uh, netted one more, 22 goals. So, you know, they were very good going forward, but just couldn't get into the, the final uh, promotion race. Uh, the big question at the end of the season was if Kevin Keegan would stay for another year. Uh, he delighted everyone when he made the decision uh, that he would carry on for one more year.
0: Mm and or were you and the other players in Kevin's ear trying to convince him to stay? He doesn't strike me as a man who changes his mind easily. But no, was that a... no.
2: Kevin was was one of those individuals that, that once he made his mind up, that was it. You know, he, he built up a great relationship, a working relationship with Arthur Cox. You know, there was mutual respect there between both of them. I think Coxie came from a working working class background, same as Kevin, and they they just. They just hit it off. Uh, and as I say, that mutual respect was there and is still there today. And fortunately for us, as Paul has said, Kevin decided to stay for another year. That was the year that I suppose it really took off. Um,
0: of course, Paul, we, we like to do player focuses on, on the the big names over the history of, of the club. And, and Kevin certainly qualifies. So if you could do the honours for us and give us a, the, the rundown on Kevin.
1: Well, we could have a whole uh, a whole episode on Kevin's career, really. But uh, as a player um, at Newcastle, he, he two seasons, 85 appearances, 49 goals. So that's a very good record in itself. He joined Newcastle for £100,000 uh, from Southampton. It's the early, early days, born and raised near Doncaster. As Andrew said, working class uh, background. Um, he started with Scunthorpe United back in 1967. Uh, indeed, Newcastle once scouted him, I've got an actual original scouting report from Joe Harvey's uh, assistant, Joe Richardson, uh, an ex-player of Newcastle's, uh, back, back then, round about 1968, I think it was, uh, or 69. He didn't play very well in a, in a horrible windy and rainy night against Darlington at Scunthorpe, uh, so Newcastle passed him by, uh, but he soon joined Liverpool um, and quickly became one of the country's new superstars played in the 1974 FA Cup final for Liverpool against Newcastle, of course. He was Football League champions with uh, the Reds. He won the UEFA Cup with them, became Footballer of the Year, then decided uh, to move on to Hamburg um, in Germany in 1977. Now, back then, Hamburg, not now they are, but, but they were back then one of Europe's very best sides. They became German champions, they won the European Cup and got to another final, and Keegan himself... Uh, was honoured with European Footballer of the Year in 1978-1979. So, so he, he was at the very, very top of the, of the football tree. And of course, he was a regular for England, 63 caps and, and captain of his country, uh, up to the point of uh, joining Newcastle. As a player, very strong, worked hard, had pace, lethal finisher and possessed a charisma off the field like no one else at Newcastle United, really. And uh, the Magpies were just captivated by his presence uh, and looked a class. And he, as a player, he looked a class apart when he played in the second division without any doubt.
0: Yeah, I didn't realise his goal record was so good. That's 80, 85 games, 49 goals. Is amazing. He agreed to stay for another season, Ando. Do you remember going into the 83-84 season feeling the pressure to get promotion this time?
2: Yeah, I, I think everybody, It was, it was more relaxed if I'm perfectly honest on the, the previous season, because as I say, nobody really knew how to take Kevin and what his uh, feelings would be towards everybody else. But after the first season, it was a relaxed atmosphere. You know, he, he made everybody feel at home. He, he settled in, made everybody else settle in straight away. And we went to Leeds on the opening day. Um, it was a red hot August day. Atmosphere was, was unbelievable. And, and we won one nil. And it was you know people, players talk about seasons and you remember seasons and for good reasons and you remember some seasons for for all the wrong reasons but that was it that was a season that just seemed to start and all of a sudden it was finished you know because you wanted to play all the time you training was was brilliant you are going in training everybody was was buzzing you couldn't wait for the next game and as i say it just seemed to start and then all of a sudden we were in may and the season was was over and we were promoted
0: Paul uh, can you talk us through how Newcastle went about their push for promotion and, and how it went in the end
1: well there was a uh, first of all there was a key change at the beginning of the season um manager Arthur Cox decided to controversially somewhat uh, sell striker Imri Viradi who was very popular scored a lot of goals and he brought in uh, a timesider called Peter Beardsley from North America you know that was a, a master stroke really uh, because Keegan and Beardsley just hit it off. From the start, you know, be the better quality on the ball to to Verardi's pace and and uh, uh, attacking thrusts uh, just matched. You know what Ke- Kevin wanted really, and also to arrive was Glenn Roder, who made a big difference at the back. Uh, while uh, ex-Middlesbrough striker David Mills uh, was a later addition, and he was a useful stand-in up front. Importantly, also Chris Waddle flourished in 1983-84 uh, alongside Keegan in the front trio of Keegan Beardsy and Waddle were quite uh, phenomenal. They were dynamite up front. They scored 66 goals in all games.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it sounded fun. How, did it, uh, how was the promotion sealed in the end?
1: Well, rivals all season were Chelsea, Sheffield Wednesday and Manchester City all big names and a 5-0 demolition of City during October really showed you what United could achieve. That was just a wonderful performance of attacking football. It could have easily been seven, eight or nine goals and indeed City's goalkeeper was man in the match and that tells you a little bit uh, of how Newcastle were on top. Uh, Crucial games in the run-in during April as United were placed in third spot then. We had three successive victories over Leeds, Swansea and Charlton. That took them to an Easter Monday clash with Carlisle United at St. James's Park. And that's a rare local derby of sorts. And it was a cracking match, 1-5-1, which saw keeper Kevin Carr save a penalty uh, and immediately throw the ball out for a lightning break from the Lees's end to Gallagher end. And United uh, hit the net at the other end within the space of uh, you know 30 seconds of saving that spot kick.
0: Brilliant. Now, I think I've got an image. So this was the parade um, uh, for the final home game of the season.
1: Yeah, funny enough, I've got
2: that picture. I've got that picture. It's on the wall. I mean, obviously, Glenn, uh, Millsy, yourself, Carsey, Mm. Peter with no teeth, uh, (laughs) Kenny, John Truick, Davey Mack, Kevin, Wadler, Stevie Kearney and Terry Mack. Uh, Yeah, good picture. Brings back happy memories.
0: Yeah. Look, where did you get all those hats from? Some interesting. Crowd just,
2: it was unbelievable that day because it was just a sea of black and white. There was black and was, everything was black and white. There were scarves, there was hats, and they just kept throwing. Crowd just kept throwing hats and scarves onto the onto the pitch, and lads just picked them up and put them on. I've still got that hat, believe it or not.
0: <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, that was the game that um, Peter Beardsley scored the the famous uh, spin chip and uh, in, in, into the into the top corner, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, the, the week before we'd gone to Huddersfield and we, we took over Leeds Road, you know, the, the old Huddersfield Stadium, and we drew 2-2, That which virtually sealed, sealed promotion for us. But the, the Brighton game was was unbelievable. The noise, the atmosphere, everything about it was, you know, as I say, it was one of those seasons that, as a player, you didn't want it to end. You wanted to just keep going and going because confidence was that high, you know, unlike other seasons, Paul, where... where where everything went pear-shaped and went wrong this particular season everything just fell into place and you know in in kevin peter beardsley chris waddle we had players who could score goals you know they're phenomenal what they did that season terry mack and davy mack in the middle in, in midfield you know it, it was just it was a good balance it was well balanced but it was uh, it was great to be part of it really was the, the
1: Huddersfield, well, there was three games after that Carlisle game and and they were all quite special. You yeah, Newcastle hit Derby for four goals and then got the point at uh, Huddersfield that the need needed and the the Huddersfield game was just uh, great because as John says, the ground was just you know, two-thirds packed with Newcastle fans all over the place and and uh, it was just celebration time after that and the the game against Brighton was the party was the party at the end of the season and uh, that's uh, fittingly Newcastle won again 3-1 and in, in Waddle Beardsley and in, in Pedro scored, Peter Beardsley scored uh, a gem, uh, one of his many in the Newcastle shirt.
0: Yeah, get that watched on YouTube, listener, if you haven't seen it for a while, it's one of the all-time great finishes at the Gallagher end. Uh, in terms of Kevin, Paul, that wasn't quite his final game in black and white, was it?
1: No, Keegan called it a day after that, um, after the Brighton game. Uh, his job done. There was a farewell match uh, that took place uh, against Liverpool uh, to a packed house at St James's Park. And then he headed off in spectacular style. A heli- helicopter came down onto the pitch in the centre circle. And he got in and off he went uh, to the sun of the Mediterranean.
0: Yeah, amazing, amazing. And. Uh... There was a young Alan Shearer in, in among the crowd there, famously, and uh, it's a fa- it's a famous scene, really, isn't it? Yeah, Kevin yeah. flying off it, it into was, the night sky.
2: Yeah, it was an incredible night. You know, it was uh, seeing the Kevin get in the helicopter and take take off. I mean, we and then we had a we had a big party at the Gosford Park Hotel, and it was it was after that that Coxie left. Everybody wanted Arthur to stay. That wasn't the case. Terry Terry left as well. You know. Arthur left because, similar to the situations we've seen in the past, money wasn't going to be forthcoming to strengthen the squad. And you know what Kevin did that season, getting us promoted. You know, and and Terry as well. You know, Terry played a big, big part in that as well. You know, the, the three boys up top, Wadlock, Um and Kevin got it all the, uh, and the majority of the credit, and rightly so. But it shouldn't be overlooked what what Terry did when he came back either. And I think Arthur felt that it needed three or four players to come in just to establish us in the first division and build from there. And he wanted he wanted the clarification that money would be made available and that we could go for certain players. That wasn't forthcoming. So we decided, well, if it's not forthcoming, I've done what I've done. It's time to leave. Disappointing for everybody because, you know, Coxie was a uh, very old-fashioned manager, uh, very Sergeant majory I had a, from a personal point of view, I had a love-hate relationship with him. I don't think in the years that I played for him, he ever said a good thing to me. Never pat me on the back where there was other players. He'd wrap his arms around him, but never. No, it was always a kick up the backside for me. You know, he was, he was, he was great at getting the best out of players. He knew how to get the best best out of players.
1: He was probably frightened of you, John.
2: <laughs> I, I'm not too sure about that, Paul. I don't think Arthur was. I don't think Arthur was frightened of anybody. You know, he'd, he'd stand his ground. He wasn't the biggest man in the world, but he. He let you know, you know, he he, he let you know in, in no uncertain terms, and God, that went for Kevin as well. You know, um, Kevin didn't get any any special treatment if 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 he wasn't doing what Arthur wanted, or he wasn't having the best of times. The gaffer would let him know.
0: And we're obviously going to cover the second coming of Keegan in in future episodes when he comes back as manager. But what's interesting listening to you discuss this, Arndo, is that um, the people he had alongside him as a manager are. People he he played with, you know, Jeff Clark, Arthur Cox, Terry McDermott. Obviously, Peter was there as a player when Keegan came yeah. back as manager. So that's that's an in- interesting that kind of. Although there was a bit of period of time there, those those guys were around him when he moved into the managerial side of things.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I think if when Kevin came back as manager, it looked like we were on our way to the tour division, um, you know, and, and staying up that season was hugely hugely hard. But Kevin basically said, "Look, if you've got, if you want to progress, you've got to go, and you, we've got to get better players in." You know, and I honestly believe that if Arthur had been had been backed after that promotion season of '83-'84, I'm not saying that it, it would have been the same outcome as what happened when Kevin came back, and you know, all all the glory that went with that. Um, but I think he he could have built the side here because you had Peter, you had waddler. you had a young Gascoigne coming through a couple of years later, you know. So the the foundation blocks were there. It needed peace and together, and I suppose typical of Newcastle United, they never put the the blocks in the right in the right spots. Um, mm. You know, they didn't back the right people at the right time.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're straying into into next week's episode, so I think we we'll, we might have to wrap it up there. Things are about to get very interesting, but but that is of course for next week. Uh, Andero, any any final memories from from the two seasons you played alongside Kevin for? They the seem very happy.
2: Oh, look, only only great things to say about you know it was it was a pleasure to to play with him. Um, he he was a perfect gentleman, and as I said, uh, he got the best out of people. You know, he never really slagged anybody off. Yeah, he'd have a go at you if things on gone well and if you made a mistake he'd tell you you made this mistake the same that same mistake again he'd tell you but you never made it at tour time um hmm. because if you made it at tour time you weren't going to be beside. and coxie was the same with that but they were they were those two seasons were phenomenal you know they were great enjoyed every minute of it uh, as i say, that promotion season of 83 84 just seemed to fly over just seemed to start in that, on that hot August day at Leeds and then all of a sudden, a hot summer day in May on, on at St. James's and it just seemed to, it seemed to be over, um, unfortunately. But uh, it was great, it was brilliant. Um, mm. I wouldn't have swapped any of it. and I, I'm thankful that I was able to be part of it. It was something that lived long, long into the memory. Was that game at Leeds, was that the goal that you scored, was it? I didn't want to mention that, Paul. <laughs> oh,
1: you, you scored the goal at Leeds, didn't you?
2: I did, yeah. We, we yeah. won one up the day of the season at Leeds 1 0. I pop, put one past David Harvey, I think, and that was up us up and running. I started
1: stop- it all Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say that. You started it all off, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. Well, th- th- thanks for that, Ando. Thanks for starting it all off, and thanks for joining us today. No it's, been, it's been great to, to have you for this one. Another in- installment of Chronicled Done. Uh, lots to pack in next week, uh, but in the meantime, thanks everyone for listening. Um, we're keen for people to keep contributing to the show with any stories around the history of the club, so keep those coming. You can email us, the podcast at reachplc.com, or you can tweet me at Ketchell on Twitter. Please subscribe to the Everything is Black and White podcast via whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Follow Chronicle Live's Newcastle United channels on social media. We're at ChronicleNUFC on Twitter, Facebook, instagram and please drop us a five star review on itunes if you you can last one for me stay up to date with everything black and white by subscribing to chronicle live's daily newcastle united newsletters these are free and a link to sign up for them is in the show notes if you click that and scroll down to sport newcastle united updates and tick the box you'll be signed up to receive all the best nufc content from chronicle live every day for free thousands and thousands of toon fans are subscribing to our newsletter so join them see what all the fuss is about Thanks so much for listening to Chronicled, the history of Newcastle United, with me, Matt Ketchell, Paul Joannou, and our special guest, John Anderson.